You are welcome to a great moment in destiny. God is about to speak directly to you and the message coming right up is crafted by heaven not just to challenge you but to align your destiny. As you embrace divine instruction, expect that God's word is bringing about revival, healing, restoration and transformation to your entire life. With faith in your heart and great expectation, join me and receive God's word through his choice vessel, Apostle Goodheart Obi Ekoeme. Yes. Somebody worship this loving Father. Worship this loving Father. He opens his hands again. He satisfies the desire of every living flesh. Here I am, Lord, tonight, satisfied. The expectation of the just will not be cut short. Satisfy, satisfy. Oh, yes. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We thank you for filling this atmosphere with your tangible presence. You're here to save. You're here to heal. You're here to deliver to the uttermost. You're here to change. You're here to transform. And we're here to receive all you have for us tonight. Thank you for your reign. Thank you for your reign. The reign of your power. The reign of your glory. The reign of your grace, the reign of your mercy. We bask in your reign. We bask in your reign. Shandabalo, Dibalada, Ikrabalos, Kerenda Gaboka. As you pour forth in our desert places, we become a fruitful field. And the fruitful field will become a forest. There is a progression, there is a graduation from glory. To glory it is. Ha! From glory to glory it is. In the name of Jesus we have worship. Somebody shout a big amen. Alright, turn your Bibles to Romans chapter number 8 and Isaiah 32. Oh boy, thank you Lord Jesus. We just love you. Love your presence. Love your glory. Romans 8, 17 to 18. Let's read together as a happy family. One, two, three, go. And if children, then hears. Hears of God and join hears with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Isaiah 32, 15. 
until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. One more time. Until the Spirit be poured upon us from on high, and the wilderness be a fruitful field, and the fruitful field be counted for a forest. Somebody shout a big amen. amen. For the sermon tonight, Broken for Glory, part number five. Our Father, under our God, we lift our hearts again to bless you for all it has pleased you to do in us, with us, through us, by us, for us, in particular in this season. I beseech you again to take a coal of fire from the altar of heaven and on the lips and the tongues of clay of the seven son of yours tonight that will come to your people with nothing but a thus said the Lord. Help me to go beyond my study, memory, contemplation, to speak expressly your counsel. Move every man and woman, those who are in this room and those who are logged on across the nations from where we are presently to the place that is called glory. We'll vows always to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' wondrous name we have prayed. Touch your neighbor, tell him it's a great day to be alive. You may be seated in God's wonderful presence. Broken for glory, part number five. Sometime last year, towards the end of last year, I've said this over and over, it bears repetition. The Lord impressed upon my heart, that John 12, 24 shall be a key to access the many varied blessings he has for us in this season, this year 2019 and perhaps beyond, which the Lord has prophetically surnamed for us our year or our season to experience glory unveiled. And honestly, the concept of brokenness really has to do with dying to live. If you keep your gaze on the word broken alone, you may be distraught, you may be discouraged, you may be dismayed, but you have to understand that the purpose for brokenness is to bring you into glory. So when your gaze is on where God is taking you to, no matter what you have to go through, you have the wherewithal, the resilience, the staying power to go through it, to get to it. As the preacher said, you've got to be willing to take a licking and keep on ticking. Apostle Paul appropriately compared what he described to be sufferings, whilst in many modern palaces today, will not as much tell you that you have to suffer as a believer. But really, he compared whatever he described as sufferings. Maybe in the next class, I would take time to bring about a clear distinction between the sufferings that Apostle Paul spoke about from other kind of sufferings that have to do with what the devil would do to you that is contrary to the covenant. He said, when I weigh these sufferings compared to the glory, it's nothing to be compared to it. So I'm willing to go through to go to. We've seen aptly up, so a few things about brokenness. We've seen that the self-life is one of, if not the greatest hindrance or enemy to the life of glory. We've seen severally in our course of our teaching that is a lack of 
brokenness that has at the same time brought about uh, so much degree of powerlessness in the body of Christ today. It's quite surprising that 28 chapters of the Acts of Apostle were the beginnings of the movement of the Holy Ghost in the dimension that it began. Jewel the prophet captured what God would do in the years to come, that he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. The young men shall see visions and the old men shall dream dreams. I will pour my spirit upon the handmaidens and upon the, the maidservants and handmaidens. And that began to happen on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2, 1 to 4. And we saw a great movement of the spirit whilst we call it the Acts of the Apostles. Really, really, is the act of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost was simply moving through vehicles, instrument called the Apostles. The same Holy Ghost then is the same Holy Ghost with us today. So the real issue is not that the Holy Ghost has receded or left us, the church. No way. No. But the real issue is that perhaps the church is not quite at the place where the first century church were. And from time to time, we ought to go to those 28 chapters and just have a sneak preview of what the Lord began to do and see that he has said he would do greater things in our day and our age. We are a people who are privileged, who are born in a due season where God has foreordained that he will pour out his spirit upon all flesh. He said, as the waters covers the sea, so I will fill the earth with my glory. So we see the lack of brokenness is perhaps one of the explanations for powerlessness in the body of Christ today. And I'm not saying the church is powerless, don't get me wrong. We've seen, we see great miracles, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, multiple salvations. I'm not saying there's no power in the church, but I'm saying in comparison to what we read in Acts Apostles compared to where we are today, we're quite far from there. Praise the Lord somebody. God can only pour his glory and power in and through genuinely broken vessels. God's view of a vessel that is truly, truly broken is somewhat different from our own view of a vessel that is broken. A broken vessel in the eyes of God is, 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 is one that he, he, he values. He places a great honor upon because that vessel is in such a place in him that he can move through that vessel easily. But in the eyes of natural men, a broken vessel is, is very, is humble, it's almost, you know, nothing really worthy of emulation. It's despised, can be looked down upon. But God is saying, it is that particular brokenness I'm looking for. Until Jacob had a one-night encounter with God, there was a limit to which God could use him. Until Paul or Saul of Tarsus had a one day encounter at the noonday and route Damascus. He saw the light shine at midday as bright as the sun. He became blinded because of the glory that blinded him. On account of that encounter, he moved from Saul to Paul. The one who once was used by the devil to accuse and persecute the church was now used in the hand of God to pen down to third of the New Testament. The same Saul to Paul. What happened? Brokenness. We want to look at, in a nutshell, 
who a broken person is and then attempt to define in four simple ways what it means to be broken. Who's a broken person? What does it look like when you find one? Number one, when you find a truly broken person, he is a person who is largely out to please God, not to please man. This is a teaching class. Until you are sold out to pleasing God, you may end up pleasing men. A broken person is a God pleaser, not a man pleaser. I, I, I said some time ago, and I say again, it bears reputation. It is all right to be right with God, even if it means you're wrong with men. Write it down. It is all right to be right with God, even if it means you're wrong with men. In my short walk with God here on the earth, I found that you're not possibly going to be able to live a kind of life that everybody will celebrate you. Everybody will appreciate you. The reason is, there are people who are going to detest you because you're living right. There are people who your effort to walk right makes them uncomfortable. Because without trying to contrast you with them, God does that. So God will contrast a Cain with an Abel. And Abel wasn't trying to prove he was a, a good guy. He wasn't trying to make Cain look bad. A, a, Abel was simply uh, following the covenant he learned from his father Abraham to give God the first and the best. But Cain didn't do that. And Cain thought Abel's right was to make him look wrong. Oh, wow. So you have to understand, as a believer who is striving to walk right with God, there are people in church, outside church, who won't like you. And they will not like you, not necessarily because you're a bad person or you're doing wrong, perhaps because you're doing right. Praise the Lord, somebody. So we have to propose in our mind to choose to be right with God, even if it means we are perceived to be wrong with men. That is to say, you're not to look for the vote of the majority. You're not trying to live your life to be, quote unquote, to be acceptable before men. But you're living your life primarily as a believer to be acceptable before God. Praise the Lord somebody. Number two, what a broken person looks like. A broken person is not looking and being popular with men. Rather, he's striving to build intimacy with God through the Holy Spirit, of course. He's not out for popularity. He's not campaigning for votes. No. His quest, I want to know him. That I may know him. That I may know him. The fellowship of his sufferings. The power of his rest. That I may know him. Apostle Paul said, I count all things but done for the excellency of the knowledge of God. That I may know him. The third thing about a broken person, what, what it looks like when you find him, is a truly broken person is a humble person. A truly broken person 
is a humble person. Humble, not because he heard some recent teaching in church or some CD somewhere and for the next few days he, he walks like this down the road. Oh, what are you doing? I'm humble. I'm humble. No, he's humble because he has been processed. <laughs> humble people don't say they're humble. You know, I'm humble Joe. You know, I, 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 there's one guy called, I think it's called Apostle Humble. I said, yeah, you humble. You, you give yourself away. If you're humble, you don't say you're humble. We should say you're humble. Are you here? So a truly broken person is a humble person, not because of a teaching only, but because of varied encounters with God that humbled you. Nobody gave Jacob a sermon on humility after he encountered the angel and he became a limping man. Each time he walked, he remembered he had a limp. That limp was a reminder of the encounter. So even when pride will want to creep in anywhere, the limp will remind you, man, don't mess with God. This is what Apostle Paul says, that I bear in my body the marks. You know what those marks are? Shepherds aforetime identified their sheep by making a particular mark on the body of the sheep. Hmm. That mark wasn't written by ink. No, 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 no. It was written by putting a rod in the fire, heated, with a mark at the end of the rod. When the rod goes red hot, So whenever you see the sheep walking with a mark, you can tell that sheep belongs to good heart, shepherd. So Apostle Paul said that I, I believe it's in Galatians 6, 14 or 17, one or two, I think 6, 17, that I bear in my body the marks. Ah, yeah, yeah. Marks means lacerations. They're not tribal marks. <laughs> They're marks he bears in his soul, wounds. But he said, henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. There are marks you bear, trouble leaves you alone. They see you and leave you alone. They know you have been branded. You have been marked. That's what brokenness is all about. Brokenness is a process by which we learn to give the Holy Spirit complete access, freedom and control over every area in our lives. The way it works is this, just to let you know. When the children of Israel left Egypt, came into wilderness, God spoke to them that is going to give them the land of Canaan. Listen carefully, don't miss this, don't miss this, it will bless you. He's going to give them the land of Canaan not overnight, not suddenly, but they will take the land piecemeal by piecemeal. They will conquer them portion by portion. Then ultimately, they will take over the whole Canaan. It says, lest the people on the land outgrow you. Something like, I'm just paraphrasing but the point I'm making is this. Our Canaan today is not per se a geographical landmass. Your Canaan is your soul. Track with me. 
as they were giants in Canaan of old, they are also giants in your soul. Giants like the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Hevites, the Canaanites, and I say humorously, the Ebosites, the Ausasites, the Canarysites. Call your Calabarysites. Come on, put it on the sites. And also maybe Perizzites, maybe. Just a joke. But to put it in perspective, when you got born again, your spirit was transformed, but your soul wasn't changed. Your soul needs to be transformed or renewed or saved progressively. Right. And what happens when your soul is being saved with the light of God's word, applying yourself to God's word, is this. You begin to kill the giants in your soul. Let me help you out. Pride is a giant. Envy is a giant. Covetousness is a giant. Idolatry is a giant. Greed, avarice is a giant. They're all there in the soul. So it's not just enough to say, I am born again. Pa, 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 pa. No, when you look at your inner life, what giants have you conquered? Oh, shalababababa. Some of you have lived with giants for too long, including me. But let me help you out. As a believer, can you relate with the fact that there's certain things you were dealing with many years ago? Alcohol, drugs, right? Jealousy, malice, yeah. But as you began to mature in Christ, expose yourself to sound teaching. The light shone and caused the darkness to recede. So that today, you look back, the things that held you captive, you don't find anymore. Do you, do you relate with that? At least in some area of your life, praise God somebody. Praise God somebody. Very important to understand that. So, I said that because I was saying we surrender our soul to God piecemeal to piecemeal. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Perhaps the next time I stand before you, maybe perhaps, I will share with you. <laughs> oh boy, I don't want to be distracted. But let me, let me throw it out there. I, I will share with you at some point in this series how it is that the believer, though born again, listen carefully, you need your personal, listen carefully, death, burial, and resurrection moments. What do I mean? It means when you identify a particular giant, for instance, assuming you identify a giant to be jealousy, you know it's there. You know you struggle with jealousy. You know that. Well, jealousy is not going to leave you alone by just wishing to leave you alone. Because what you fail to confront, you don't conquer. Please listen. That giant may live with you until you face it squarely. Brother, please listen. Face it squarely. How do you face it squarely? 
identify from the scriptures the word to kill it. The answer for your malady, for your disease, for the thing you're struggling with. Yeah? And then apply the word. Hey, katopala. Because the word of God, as the Bible says, in Hebrews 4.12, is a double-edged sword. For the word of God is quick, means alive, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divine asunder of the soul and of the spirit. It is a, a discerner of the thought and the intent of the heart. So the word comes to severe thoughts and intents. The sword is so sharp, it goes to your bone, to your marrow. So when the word is allowed to come in, it exposes. When the word exposes, you are not going to feel very comfortable. Because what the light does is to expose what is hidden. Listen, because something has not been exposed yet, does not mean it does not exist. So you can pretend like some people will do, man of God, I don't have these giants. I'm done. I came to the altar 10 years, 20 years, 30 years ago. I invited Jesus to my heart and I got born again. I'm done. I don't know what you're teaching. But if you really allow the light of God's word to come into you and expose you, you'll see that you're carrying some stuff that don't belong to you. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? Let me say it again. You will see you're carrying some stuff that don't belong to you. You means the redeemed you. It was said concerning Jesus that the prince of this world cometh, or the devil cometh to Jesus and has found nothing. Somebody said nothing. No pride, no jealousy, no envy, no malice, no greed. Found nothing. But the truth be told is that uh, uh, we have some stuff that don't belong to us. Do you agree with me? I, I'm your pastor. I'm telling you, guy, I have stuff that don't belong to me. I have my struggles. So what the light does now, that took me away. Ah, Lord, help me. I had a lot to say to you. But that's fine. I threw that to you. Um, just grapple with it. I said something, death, burial, resurrection. You got that? Let me try to put it in perspective so I don't lose my thought for today, tonight at least. Now, what I meant by death, burial, resurrection is this. When you find the word, which is a sword, that is the answer to what you're dealing with, jealousy, malice, strife, envy, what you now do, right, is to apply the word to your situation, and then wage a good warfare with your situation until it dies and Christ resurrects. Aye. Is that helpful at all? Let me try, let me try, let me try to go deeper. Okay, we're dealing with jealousy. And I see that I'm a jealous person. You may not know it. But I see, that's, that's being figurative. I'm not jealous by God's grace. I don't think I am. Maybe Tracy's. If you talk to my wife, I'll be jealous. That's a good jealousy. <laughs> Christ, God is a good, jealous God. <laughs> okay, 
<laughs> but I am jealous, okay? Not a problem. So I, go, I, I, I say, hey, I'm, I'm strong with jealousy. I, I see things I wanted, you know, um, then I go to the word. And I zero in on this one giant. I leave pride. I leave other things. The giant I'm confronting in my soul is called Mr. Jealousy. Right? I get scriptures that deals with jealousy. What I now do is with those scriptures, I go to prayer. I go to warfare. I fight the spirit of jealousy with these promises and the scriptures that relate to that until jealousy dies. That's a death. It's buried. Then a new life resurrects in the place of what was there. The true and the pure love of God. Praise the Lord, somebody. All right, I want to look at four ways I've tried to capture definition of brokenness. What is brokenness? Because I, I desire for you to be able to teach this to others, share it with others. Don't just say, oh, we had a wonderful series on brokenness. Uh, what, what is this? I don't know. Something brokenness. Something. something bro We're all broken. We're all broken. We're broken. I want you to be able to articulate it. Praise the Lord. Uh, understanding. That's why I'm, I'm trying to talk, not preach. Number one, brokenness is first and foremost a state and a condition of the heart. Please write down. I've said before makes me a little bit uncomfortable when I see people who come to church and don't write. I understand many have amazing memory. I, 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 I desire your memory, but it is said that the shortest pencil is more effective than the longest mind. Don't write, you can't recall. Praise God. Brokenness is first and foremost a state and a condition of the heart. We've shared in the course of time the difference between the inner life and the outer life. God is really a heart God. He relates with us based on our heart state. We can't fool him. We may be able to deceive ourselves. We may even succeed at deceiving others, but we can't deceive God. God knows your heart more than you know your heart. And many a time, what God makes effort to do is to create situations and the circumstances, guess what? That expose your heart to you. Track, Deuteronomy 8, 1 to 4. He, he said, he, he suffered them in, with, with hunger in the wilderness. Gave them manna. Guess what? To know or to see what was in their heart. That cannot be literal. Of course, God knew what was in their heart before they expressed it. It's omniscience. So it must mean that God was really creating the environment to expose their heart to themselves. It's a blessing for God to expose your heart to you. It may be painful, it's a blessing. Wow. It's a blessing to know what you need to deal with in prayer, with the word. 
Psalm 139, 23, 24 says, Set me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. There are two people in the Bible that, that, that I like to contrast. King Saul, King David. I mean, looking at the natural, King Saul was, he was a bad boy, but not that bad. I mean, he, he partially obeyed God's instruction. Partially. <laughs> at least he obeyed some. But when you look at the weight of judgment that came upon Saul, it was far more than the weight that came upon David. Look at David. He not only sent his key general to war to die, slept with the wife, got her pregnant, the child died, then married her. Then out of the woman again came Solomon, who was a king. You can't beat God. These ways are past finding out. But you know what? The difference I see between King Saul and King David was their heart. That's why, you see, you call some people bad boys. <laughs> Wait till they have the turnaround. It may surprise you that the people that God is going to use in these last days as we speak today are not even born again yet. As Saul. But there's something about their heart. When they get it right, they get it right. But there's some people who have imbibed the culture of religion who look right, but their heart is not right. You see the difference? Saul sinned. He said, someone, someone, no, just honor me. Package me to look good before the people. But David said, ah, Papa God, this throne says, I'm paraphrasing though, it's not even my business. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. I leave throne, it's me and you. Don't take this Holy Spirit. This thing doing me now. Don't, don't talk that area of me and you. The throne may go. But not the Holy Spirit. Not my walk with you. That means David wanted to be right with God even if he was wrong with men. He danced to the degree that Saul's wife or Saul's daughter, Michal, who was his wife, scorned him. Who art thou, O vain fellow, to dance like this before the daughters of Israel? The same traits of pride and arrogance in Saul was in that woman. They felt they earned it. You see, when you have an inheritance mentality, you're out of place. There is nothing you have you're deserving of. I don't qualify to be here. I don't think I'm more righteous than anybody in this room. It's a calling. It's an election of grace. So I don't strut myself as the some super wonder guy. No, no. It is grace. And when grace rests on anybody, they can do the same and much more. David said to, to Michael, hey, hey, listen, listen, listen. I don't have the kind of thing you have. I was found and fetched at the backside of nowhere. No degree, no pedigree, but I was just worshiping God at the backside of nowhere, tending my father's sheep. It was from there God put a crown upon my head. I'm going to thank and praise that God. You ought to be grateful that God chose you, called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You ought to be grateful that God placed his good hand upon your life. You ought to be grateful that God blessed your bread, blessed your water, took sickness, disease from you. You ought to be grateful. You're not in the nightclub. He dragged you out there. You ought to be grateful. 
Not because you're better than, no. Grace smiled upon you. Can somebody say, thank you, Jesus. We stand in spite of our frailties. We stand in spite of our weaknesses. We stand in spite of our many flaws. But we stand because of the grace of God. No wonder Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, I am what I am by the grace of God. You are what you are by the grace of God. Never you think you deserve anything. I deserve to be a pastor, to be a deacon, to be an MD. You don't deserve to drive a car. You don't deserve anything good. But for the mercy of God and for the blessings of redemption, Fully paid. You didn't pay anything. He bought you. He bought me. Rassumed us from the hand of the enemy. First Corinthians 6.20. You are bought with a price. <laughs> he didn't bargain for you. You want a bargain deal from, from the devil? No. God paid the full price on your head. He paid with the blood of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he paid beyond what you were owing. <laughs> that means you are discharged and acquitted. You are no longer available in the market for discourse. No, sir. You are what I call KK, the king's kid. Praise the Lord, somebody. Can somebody say, I belong to Jesus? I belong to Jesus. Can somebody say, oh, thank you, Jesus? I am your property. Spirit, soul, and body belongs to you. Hallelujah. 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 There's nothing you have you earned. Praise God. Praise God. Psalm 139.23, I was speaking about heart. Saul and David, how their attitude distinguished them and differentiated how God related with them. Set me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said earlier, Hebrews 4.12, one of the instruments that God uses to throw light to show us our heart is the word of God. Look at what the Amplified Version says. The Bible class, let's turn to Amplified, Hebrews 4.12, Amplified Version. For the word of God is living and active and full of power, making it operative, energizing, and effective. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. That's the word. Hallelujah. Penetrating as far as the division of the soul and spirit, the completeness of a person and of both joints and marrow. Thank you, Lord. Woo. The deepest parts of our nature. Exposing, wow, and judging the very thoughts and intentions of the heart. Who's doing this? The word. The word is light. The word is an exposer. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of the word gives light, gives understanding to the simple. 
So when the light comes, it comes to expose, to illuminate. Look at what Jeremiah says. Or God says in Jeremiah 17, 9. Beg your pardon. Jeremiah 17, 9. 9 to 10. I read in the Amplified Version. Jeremiah 17, 9 to 10. Amplified. The heart is deceitful above all things. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. And is extremely sick. Sick. It's a malady. Sickness. Who can understand it fully? And know its secret motives. If you know how dodgy the heart is, eh, you won't, you won't say never. You won't say never. The word I can use that seems to capture this in our broken language parlance is the heart is very corny, corny, very tricky, very wavering. It is God to capture it. Let's continue. I, the Lord, search and examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. So we see, number one, as we seek to capture some definition of the brokenness, that brokenness is first a state of the heart rather than an outward appearance. It begins from within, and ultimately, it will show without that you're broken. It's very important. Number two, definition, brokenness. Brokenness is the process of total annihilation of the self-life. Total killing of the self-life. Painful. And the ultimate enthronement of God in our lives. So, the process of brokenness will be to kill the self-life and then to ultimately enthrone Christ in our hearts. Wow. So you begin to understand that a broken person largely measures himself, or better still, measures his progress along life's walk by to the degree to which he has conformed to Christ. To what degree have I resembled Jesus in word, in thought, in deed. This is the measurement of a broken person. Craving to be more like him in reality and in truth. Not by people's accolade and commendations, but like I said earlier, he or she seeks the approval the endorsement of God wants to hear above beyond all else thou good and faithful servant enter into the joy of your father. Oftentimes said while men can appreciate only God can really, really, really add to a person and promote a person. People may celebrate you for your good works but ultimately only God can promote. Only God can add something to you that nobody can take from you. Hallelujah to Jesus. So whenever you do something in the office, nobody approves you. Nobody applauds your good works. It's all right. Whilst it's good to be commended, we want to be encouraged. 
I want to be encouraged. But when nobody encourages you, like David in 1 Samuel 30 verse 6, you've got to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Here he was at Ziklag. And people came to, to take away the wives of the Israelites and their children, by the way. And everybody began to complain and murmur and say, we're going to kill David, kill David. You know, as though David wasn't also in the same challenge as they were. His own wives were gone too. His own kids were gone too. The same situation. But the Bible says in verse 6 of that chapter, it said, and David, God's click at that. He did something that we ought to do as leaders. And David encouraged himself in the law. When there is nobody to encourage you, speak to yourself. When the federal government of a nation is not there to encourage you, speak to yourself. When your boss in the office, when your husband, your wife may not be in the state emotionally to encourage you, speak to yourself. Preacher, preach to yourself. Talk to yourself. The greater one lives in me. Talk to yourself. You are going somewhere to happen. Talk to yourself. You may have lost some things, but you serve a God who is still in the restoration business. Talk to yourself. The path of a just man shines brighter and brighter to the day of perfection. Talk to yourself. You are 50. Go to 51. Not yet married. Talk to yourself. Remember Elizabeth, the wife of Zechariah. Talk to yourself. Remember Sarah, the wife of Abraham. Talk to yourself. He encouraged himself in the Lord. As one preacher says, leaders learn how to lead when they bleed. A real leader will not show you that he's bleeding. You've never seen my face. I'm going through any kind of test. Why? As quickly as they come, they go. Praise God. We don't celebrate the test. We celebrate the testimonies. We don't brag about the devil. We brag about the angels. They're more with you, for you, than they that I kissed you. We don't tell stories about what it happened. We declare our expectation. Don't explain your circumstance. Declare your expectation. The expectation of the just shall not be cut short. If you talk it long enough, faith in your heart, it will come to pass. I've talked my way out of pits. I've talked my way into things. Oh boy, let me not go there. Talk your way out. Hallelujah. Close mouths are closed destinies. Number two, brokenness is a process of total annihilation of the self-life and the ultimate enthronement of God in our lives. Brokenness means to be completely emptied of pride. You know, God hates pride and proud people. It seems like pride reminds God of Satan, right? Doesn't do too well with proud people. Six things the Lord hates, seven is an abomination. Pride is one of them. James 4, 6 says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Wow. So, humility attracts more of the grace of God. 
James 4.10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. He shall lift you up. There is a lifting up. There is a lifting up. Somebody shout a big amen. amen. There is a lifting up. When men declare there is a casting down, we declare the what? There shall be a lifting up. Number three, definition of brokenness. One more after this and we're done. Brokenness is the total destruction of dependence on human strength and ability. You know, there are areas where you've bragged of all time. Do you know who I am? Do you know my uncle, my father? Is the IGO police? Is a senator? Is a doctor and banker? You're still bragging about people. But brokenness is a total destruction of human dependence, human strength, and ability. Hear the testimonial of Paul in Philippians 3, verses 4. Philippians 3, 4 to verse 8. I inferred to it, but let's read it. It's a Bible class. Philippians 3, 4 to 8. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. Remember what I said? It's destruction of dependence or confidence in the human strength or ability. It says, though I may also have confidence or dependence in the flesh. If any other man thinks that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day. Now he gives you his CV, his spiritual CV, curriculum vitae. Uh, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews. Wonderful. As touching the law, excellent. A Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless. And I count all things. Help me, Lord Jesus. I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things <laughs> and count them but dung that I may win Christ. Win Christ. The person speaking here is born again. Oh. Holy Ghost field. Yeah, but he spoke about another degree of capturing Christ. He called it that I may win Christ. Christ is to be won. And you win him in your soul. As you progressively contend with those giants in the land. That rear the ugly head in your soul. Christ takes over the area where jealousy sat. Christ takes over where pride sat. Christ takes over where anger sat. You get it? And so on and so forth. Pride takes over where covetousness was enthroned in the heart. That I may win Christ. Number four, finally. A truly broken person is one that responds completely implicitly to the word of the Lord as final authority. God's word is final authority to a truly broken person. Because there's a connection between brokenness 
and how we relate to the word of the Lord. Isaiah 6, 6 verse 2. For all those things hath mine hand made. And all those things have been, said the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor, and of a contrite spirit, thank you Jesus, and trembleth at my word. A truly broken person loves, honors, cherishes the word and embraces the word as final authority. The final habitat, the rule, the, 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 the deciding factor, the one that brings an end to every argument, every case, closes when the Lord speaks. When there's an argument in your body, pain on the left, pain at the back, <laughs> And the word says, Psalm 10720, he sent his word. His word healed them and delivered them from their destructions. When the word declares, I am the Lord that healed thee. When the word declares that you will serve me and I will bless your bread and your water. Exodus 23, 26. And I will take from you sickness, disease, and infirmity. And says, none shall be barren in the land. None shall cast their young. You have an argument as to whether you're going to be promoted. Whether you're going to be lifted. And the word speaks to you. Psalm 75, 3, 4, 5, thereabout. Says, promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or the south. God but comes from Almighty God. He's a God that sets down one. He's a God that elevates and promotes another. <laughs> when there's an argument as to whether you're going to make it in life, people are arguing there's more against you than are for you. You remember all of a sudden, Romans 8.31 puts an end to it. If God be for you, who can be against you? When things look like they're going upside down around you, it seems you're seeing more bad than good. Then the word speaks, the final habitat. Romans 8, 28. What all things work together for the good of them that love him and are called according to his purpose. When you're weak in your body and the word speaks in, 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 in Jewel 3.10, let the weak say, I am strong. Not, don't say what you feel. Don't say what the banker told you. Don't say what the lawyer told you. That's a problem. You're explaining your situation while you ought to declare your expectation. Romans 3.4, let God be true. Let every man, including your feeling, whoa, I feel glory. I am preaching myself happy. You can change the atmosphere around you with the word. Second Corinthians 4, 13, we have in the same spirit of faith, whoa, we have believed, so we speak. When you combine what you believe in your heart with what your mouth is saying, it's coming to pass. If you say to the mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, you don't doubt in your heart, believe what you said, you will have what you say, say it. 
said death and life are in the power of the tongue you shall have it as you desire Proverbs 18.21 you got the power in your mouth can somebody for two minutes rise on your feet and begin to speak the word and change the atmosphere and the stratosphere around you? Can you open your mouth? You have two minutes now. Decree and declare. Glory unveil is my reality. Wow. For shame, I'm going to enjoy fame. For double trouble, I'm going to enjoy double honor. It's somebody declaring your expectation. The Bible declares the the expectation of the just shall not be cut short. Woo! Oh yes, he said with a long life he will satisfy you and show you his salvation. He said in Psalm 118 verse 17, you will live and not die to declare the wondrous works of Almighty God. Oh, open your mouth. Your life is hid with Christ in God. In him you live, move and have your being. Acts 17, 28, Colossians 1 to 3, or 3, 1 to 2. Ah, go back executive. Your life is hid with Christ in God. La Copequibalo, Brando, Brando, Brando. Declare your expectation. I'm not the needy, no. I'm blessed to be a blessing to my generation. My hand is touching gold. I lack no good thing all the days of my life. Oh, the supernatural favor of God is upon me. There is an aroma of heaven upon me that attracts good, no. Oh, for shame, I declare fame. Whoa, hallelujah. I said, church, we decree and declare our knees are met. Our needs are met. Water comes from the rock. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is moving men and women globally to reach out to us. Oh boy. You will hear strange calls, strange visitations. Oh, there will be aha moments. You will say, aha, God has done it. While you're still testifying, there will come behind you another aha. Is somebody declaring your expectation? Oh boy, the son live in families. If you're a single sister, you're a single brother and you desire to be married, decree and declare, I will have my family. Solitary shall have, live in families. La Copelobosa. Are you married rightfully? Do you desire your own child? Have you not heard? Be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue the earth and have dominion. Have it, have it. Have it with many maybe impossible, but with God, with your God, something is happening already. The supernatural kicking now. Whoa, something electric. Levola, Levola, Levola. See, receive it. Receive the changing of seasons. Seasons change when a word of prophecy calls forth. I declare over you on this eighth day, the number eight, wow, speaks of a new beginning. Forget the former things. Wow, I will do it. I will do I feel it now. I will do a new thing. In your health, a new thing. In your, wow, in your marriage, your money, your honey, your finance, your business, your career, your ministry. Receive a new thing. Forget the former things. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Roger, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And the Father is said to do a new thing in this house. 
Let's push for one more minute. Release your prayer language. Lord, we believe we receive the changing of seasons. The changing of seasons. The changing of seasons. Woo! Lift both hands to your Father in heaven. Wow! Shonda Galabalas. Senda if you are in this room you have not given your life to Jesus Christ oh yes something is happening I want you to open your mouth and invite Jesus the Lamb of Glory to take his place in your heart as Lord and Savior in your own words ask him to forgive you him to give you a new day. Yeah. New lease of life from this hour. Jesus, forgive me. Take your place in my heart. Wow. I open the, I feel glory man. I open the door of my heart. I welcome you, Jesus. <laughs> I welcome you, Jesus. I welcome you, Jesus. I welcome you, Jesus. Now hands raised, I want to pray a prayer. Father, behold your people tonight as their faces defer, so their knees defer. You said you will open your awesome hands. You will satisfy woo, the desire of every living flesh. My God, I feel you. Let this night be that night of divine satisfaction. The tears your sons and your daughters shed. Let it be the last time that we shed tears for pain and for sorrow. Father Lord, show us a token for good. From the tears of pain, let this house begin to experience tears of joy. Tears of joy. The kind of weeping that comes as a result of you doing something beyond our wildest dreams. Something beyond our expectation. I remember some years ago you did something in my life and I began to cry. I began to cry. I began to cry. It was not tears of pain. It was tears of pleasant surprise that you will remember me. That you will show forth in the way you showed forth. I felt unqualified. Just like Simon Peter felt unqualified at Luke 5 when he had a press down shaking together boat sinking tear breaking harvest he began to weep and said who am I that you will bless me in the way I'm manner my father 
I take my place as an under shepherd of this heritage that belongs to you. So let it be Lord in the name of Jesus Christ. I cause disease. I cause germ virus. I cause bacteria. In the name of Jesus Christ. Let your healing virtue go forth now. Visit every bone, every joint, every ligament, heart, kidney, liver. Let them jack back to life. Blood pressure, I command you to return to normalcy. Crash to normalcy. Those who were on dialysis, Holy Spirit, take over that operation of the kidney. Heartborne diseases, receive a healing touch. Liver disease, receive a healing touch. Blood-borne disease, receive a healing touch. Memory loss, receive a healing touch. Every area where people's psyche, psychology, emotions were, were, were distraught and distraught, receive a healing touch. I cause fear in the name of Jesus Christ. We come against the spirit of anxiety, panic attack. You come to an end tonight in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you for the spirit of boldness. You've not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Yokes be destroyed. Burdens be lifted. I declare tonight to be your night of change. Your night of healing. Your night of restoration. Your night of revival. Your night of a new beginnings. Eight, the number of the new. Oh, five, the number of grace. Nineteen, nine, the number of the Holy Ghost. Nine gifts of the Spirit. Nine fruit of the Spirit. I declare again, eight, new beginning. Five, grace and mercy. Nine, the power of the Holy Ghost shall perform it. Somebody shall, yeah, 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 yeah. the Lord comes upon you all over this hall across the nations online the hand of the Lord the same that came upon Elijah he outran the chariot of Ahab may my God may your God give you unprecedented speed where you are on the snow lane tonight as one carrying the voice of my God move from the snow lane to the fast lane if you believe that shot yes shot yes if you believe that shot yes shot yes lose your natural mind game you have just experienced the preaching and teaching ministry of good heart obi ekweme lead pastor of revival house of glory international church rogic and the apostolic leader of the Horn of Revival Ministry, a global outreach ministry mandated to carry the torch of revival across cities and nations. If you would like to ask a question, share your prayer request or testimony 
or get more messages or books from Apostle Goodhart, please call or text 0805-223-4444 or email info at rogic.org. That is info at rhogic .org. Also download the Horn of Revival Ministry app on Google Play or Apple Store to connect with a variety of quality resources including Rogic Radio and our refreshing daily devotions to take you higher in life. And for real-time ministry, you can follow Apostle Goodheart on Twitter. The handle is at Pastor Goodheart. And on Instagram, the handle is at Apostle Goodheart. Keep hearing the Word of God. It will produce intimacy with your spirit for uncommon encounters on the earth.